This is QU Football Weekly Extra, the podcast edition, the nice little program we put together here on Tuesday nights at the Abbey Coach. And uh, glad you've uh, came and joined us for another one. It's uh, been fun so far. It has. It's always nice to talk about our football program uh, and everything these young men are accomplishing. Um, and it's just it's fun to talk about this university, this community, the Abbey. Um, big proponent of this town and, and the family atmosphere that it brings about. And I'm just very happy and, and, and thankful that I have the opportunity to do the job that I have to do every single day. So very thankful for that. Let's start with the accomplishments for your team. One thing I've looked at uh, throughout the duration of the day is you've got a young man who's 16 tackles away from being third all time. And it's pretty crazy. I go back and listen to these podcasts and our shows, and I think he's he's been mentioned every single show, but for mm-hmm. good reason. His name's Peyton Chapel. if you haven't been taking notes. Uh, but pretty crazy to know that another interception, fourth all-time in interceptions, fourth all-time in tackles. That's one individual who has accomplished a lot for your football program, uh, but the team in general also sitting at 2-2, two and two, feeling good about the accomplishments thus far. Yeah, I mean, very happy. I mean, yeah. You'd always love to be three and one um, from week one, um, but that's in the past. It is what it is. We got to move forward from that, and we got a great road test to, to get a chance to go to one and zero in conference play and get to three and two, and that's the most important part. But like you said a minute ago, Peyton Chapel has has been a mainstay, and he's probably one of those guys that everybody else in the conference feels like has been here for thirty years. Um, there's been other guys I feel like the same thing about Toriano Clinton <laughs> at Indy. Uh, but, I mean, Peyton Chapel has, has been the rock of us for our defense and he's a great leader and he deserves everything he gets. He got another, another interception on Saturday. Like, he's fourth all-time interceptions, I think you said, and he, he's a linebacker. He's not a DB. That'll never happen again, I uh, think. I mean, here's the crazy thing. He's actually shorted one because he got he got another one last year against William Jewell, and no matter what we did and we had the proof, we showed them the film, they wouldn't change it. So, I mean, he he's actually – yeah, I mean, he actually should have 10. Yeah. He's actually shorted an interception on his career in comparison to what he should have. But, I mean, that's the cool thing about, about him. He's such a, a, good, a good player. He's such a good person. Um, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for this football program and he continues to do. And, uh, I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. Uh, he missed two games last year. So, I mean, he did what he did on nine games last, last year. Had a COVID season, his junior year or sophomore year or whatever year it was. Uh, he had 120 tackles. I mean, he, he's just been steady Eddie, and he's been the rock of our defense, and this year he's done a phenomenal job. And, I mean, hopefully he gets an opportunity to break Cody Leonard's all-time record for tackles in a career and because uh, it, it couldn't happen for, for a better human being. Uh, Cody was a great player, and uh, Peyton now is we've been blessed to have another guy following his footsteps. So it's been nice. Chapel sits at 320 career tackles. Uh, he's 16 away from moving up into third all-time. And again, like you said, trying to make the chase to uh, potentially be the career record holder uh, for QU. But as you get ready and you talk about Missouri S&T and you talk about somebody, um, and they have a very decorated player on the defensive side of the football as well. You head to Rolla to open up GLVC play this Saturday. And they have a player, Ben Stratman, who led the nation in sacks a season ago. Yeah, I mean, that kid is the, the rock of their defense, just like Chaps, the rock of ours. Um, he demands to be uh, accounted for and respected, and he is a phenomenal football player. And, and much, much like Chaps, I mean, as he goes, their defense goes. And 
I mean, one of the biggest tests for us this Saturday is going to be trying to score points on a very good defense. Uh, I went back and looked at, um, I think, six of our last or seven, seven of our last eight contests versus Missouri S&T have been one-score ball games. Um, when I did the math and added all of it up, the average score was 24 to 22. So, I mean, you're talking a, a really close games, very competitive games, two very physically um, well-coached, disciplined football teams that get after each other for the last decade. Uh, you throw in the fact that, uh, as you told me today, we have not beat Missouri S&T at Rolla since 1998. Um, I told our kids that after after practice tonight, and then I told them to raise their hand for any of them that were alive whenever the last time no, Quincy no. University. We had three people out of 140 players on our football team that were born the last time Quincy University went to Rolla, Missouri and came up with a W. Is that a motivating factor for this team? I think it is. I, th- I think our kids have played with a chip on their shoulder. Um, I think they're, they're, they're trying to – Earn respect from everyone. I tell our kids all the time, respect is earned. Um, it's not given. Uh, it's not one of those things that you just hand out to someone. Uh, we've got to go out and earn it week in and week out. And we get an opportunity this week to, to go play a very well-disciplined, good football team. I know they're one and three, but they played Hillsdale 17-10, to 10, who was giving Truman State everything they wanted and more up into halftime and played them within a one-score game. Uh, South Dakota Mines is 3-1, and one. got a good friend right there that's coaching there. I mean, they, they've played uh, Kentucky Wesleyan. They lost by five points. Beat Drake. They beat Drake. Like, their, their only win right now is against a Division One opponent. So, I mean, they, they deserve the right to be respected, and, and they're a good football team. I don't care what their record says. I tell people that all the time. Like, they, they if we don't do the things we've talked about all year long and and go out there and execute football plays and do our job and take care of adversity and, and play with energy, we're going to struggle. And you know what? The cool thing was we challenged our kids before practice to have a sense of urgency. Um, you either gave them a quote of you either have a sense of urgency today or you have a sense of regret tomorrow. And I think it hit the nail on the head with what we're trying to get out of them as a sense of urgency to start fast and, and get on track the right way so that we can play at a high level from the beginning of a game to the end. And it was awesome. If you were out at practice today, you saw a football team that was flying around, that had energy, that was talking, that was communicating, that was playing at a very high level in all three phases of the game. And hopefully that continues. I challenged them after practice to now, hey, look, you did it today. Now prove to me and everybody else you can do it again tomorrow and then do it again Thursday, and then do it again Friday, and then be locked and loaded so that when we get on the bus on Saturday morning and drive down to Rolla, Missouri, we have an opportunity to go down there and be 1-0 in conference and, and be right where we want to be from a conference standpoint. That's amazing. And I know when you talk about 1998, Coach, I, that's crazy. You have three players that were alive. I, mean, I was 15. I'm 38. I was. That's the year that I was born, Coach. We're, so, we're, we're talking, I mean, we're talking 20, <laughs> 24 years ago. Yeah. I mean, who were the three time. for you? Um, it was Bryce Broussard. Fair, fair um, enough. Who has been, been a around. journeyman and <laughs> been here for a little bit. B.J. Wilson was another one. Uh, and A.J. Harden. So those were the only three. Now, granted, whether they are or they're not will be kind of interesting. Sometimes I wonder if they know what their birth, birth years are. But um, <laughs> those, those three raised their hand. And uh, you do, <laughs> The funny thing is we've got some coaches, on GAs on staff that – probably aren't far removed from being barely born at that point in time too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of people on this staff and in this football team that 
they've not seen in their lifetime our football program go to Rolla, Missouri and beat them. Last year was the first time we beat them since 2014 as a whole. This is our first opportunity to go down to Missouri S&T and Rolla, Missouri and beat them. Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity, like you mentioned, to open up Great Lakes Valley Conference play in Rolla, Missouri. And when you, you look at the way that they play, a, a very, very stout defense, like you mentioned, and we've, we've mentioned one of their star players, Ben Stratton. I mean, he's how do you neutralize good players and good defenses like that? I mean, I know he was a guy who had five sacks against the Hawks just one season ago. I think one of the biggest things is respect them but not fear them. Like, I mean, you, you've got to account for a good football player like Stratman um, in protections and run game. Um, you have to know where he's at on the field. Uh, he has earned the respect of our staff and our players to make sure that he doesn't single-handedly beat us and he forces – it's kind of like playing a good quarterback. Um, you got to force him to do something that – is uncomfortable for himself, or you've got to force him to do one thing, hand the football off to where he can't beat you. So, I mean, uh, we got a good test at hand at us. That defense is good. It's not just him. They're good as a whole. Um, they, they've not yielded a lot of yards total overall for the season, and uh, they're really good against the run. They're always going to have one plus one in the box, and we've got to make sure that we come out there and physically we're ready to play because it, it's going to be a physical game for four quarters because you look at Hillsdale. 17 to 10. You look at the week before that when they went to Kentucky Wesleyan, 11 to 6. Yes, they lost, but it's a five-point game. You go to Drake, a Division One opponent. They win 17 to 14. Their last three games have all been single possession games or less, and they deserve the right to be respected. No, much, much, no different than we do. Um, so I mean, we got to go out there. We got to get points on the board offensively and do our job and take care of the football and, and put our defense in a good situation and. We've got to do also equally do a good job in special teams because their punter is very talented. Um, he's averaging over 43 yards a punt. we got to make that cat uncomfortable uh, in some regards. Uh, and, and we've got to make sure that we can set ourselves up in a field position battle that, that we've got to make sure we play well because they've been very, very smart and very good at, at playing the field position game with a good defense. They force people to, to go long lengths of the field to try to score touchdowns, and that's not easy. I mean, you look at offenses this year, I mean, as a whole, there's – I look at – and I've been talking to our coaches about this today. Like, you look at offensive football this year, and um, there's there's not been the, the typical first four games of the season. You look at our conference, and there's 40, 50 points getting scored on the regular by everybody. Um, there's been a lot more lower scoring contests. There have been a lot more hard-fought, disciplined, defensive football wins. Like, and, and that's something that I think is kind of a tale of the tape. I mean, for the longest time, whenever I was younger, when we played in college, it was ground and pound. You play action, you, you play good defense, you're good on special teams, and you win a game 21-17. The last 10 years or so, it's been a lot more, hey, we're going to sling the ball all over the yard. We're going we're gonna to score a ton of points. We're going to put defenses in binds. But football is cyclical no different than anything else is. I think you're starting to see defenses catch up to what offenses have been doing. And I think you're seeing defenses, in my personal opinion, play at a much higher level this year. Um, I mean, no different than us. I mean, last year, Ashton scored a whole lot of points on, on us. We were able to hold them to 34, and that's what giving them a, a touchdown on the four-yard line. It should have been 27. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of really good defense being played right now, I think, across our conference and across the country. And 
Uh, we're not the only ones, I think, offensive that's kind of sitting here going, well, what's going on? Missouri S&T led the conference in scoring and total offense last year, and now they're last. Now, that's a product of losing people. I mean, it's kind of the way it works uh, when people graduate. But I, I think you're, you're starting to see uh, defenses start to catch up a little bit as far as what offenses have been really, really good at over the last decade, and they're finding answers. That's kind of the flow that the, the progression or the evolution of the game that seems like it happens at almost every single level. I mean, if you just look at an offense that can air the ball out and, and do really good things, Coach, like you say you have a great quarterback and, and, and look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they a lot of times last year for a while they struggled. They said, okay, we're, we're not going to let you beat us. We're just going to have a bunch of safety sit back and not let Tyreek Hill run behind us. But it's like, is that kind of the evolution of the game? Defenses seem to always try to catch up, and then the offense has to say, well, now we have to change. Now we have to find a way to beat the defense, the back and forth. I think everything's about adaptability. Um, my buddy just sat down, Caleb did. And, um, Bogey, Bogey, our OC, is, is one thing that I love about him is he's coached defense, he's coached special teams, uh, he understands – game flow and game management and it's cool to see because uh, there are times when if you're not playing well there's absolutely nothing wrong with running the football um, and burning some clock and getting a first down or two and punting the ball away to put your defense in a good situation and other offensive coordinators I've been around in the past are uh, crazy as it sounds more more concerned about stats and yards and the one thing I love about Bogey is the only thing he cares about is one thing, whether we get a chance to win or lose a ball game. That's it. And there's not a lot of offensive coordinators like that. There really aren't. There, there's uh, there's a lot of guys that, that are worried about breaking records and doing this and doing that. And when it comes down to it, it it's nice to have a coaching staff um, on defense with Pannon and on offense with Bogey that they don't care about anything other than one thing, winning and losing ball games. And that's cool to see, and it's nice to have as a head coach because you can lean on those guys, and I trust their opinions. And I'm very blessed because I'm telling you right now, you put a stamp on this, I think both of the coordinators that I have right now on our staff are two of the best I've ever seen at their age, and I've been around. Um, I've got to do everything in my power to keep both of them as long as I humanly possibly can. Um, because they are both great football coaches, they recruit their tails off, and they're good people. And that's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, I love how you brought up the coordinators because for those that don't know, play such an instrumental role, maybe the instrumental role on the respective side of the football when you talk about Caleb and Coach Pannon. And, and I love how you, you talk about them because I know that We've brought them up it before, but to, to, to shed some light on what they're doing with each unit, um, I think it's it's really important. And you mentioned their age. They're both uh, younger gentlemen within compared to a lot of the other teams you play. But you say <laughs> that I'm the old guy at 38, <laughs> if that tells anyone anything. <laughs> but I know that uh, taking some time to talk about um, the respect that you have for your coordinators and – and the way that they work, I think that's that's really cool stuff right there, Coach. I mean, it's I'm lucky. Um, Caleb came here to be our special teams coordinator and our quarterback coach originally, and we had a coordinator opening pretty quickly. 
Um, and then COVID hit, so we're trying to finagle COVID as a whole. And, you know, the fall of 2020 when we lost football season and we're going through a normal, uh, almost like an off-season spring ball, um, I sat down and me and him talked about a lot of things and it was cool because there were so many things with COVID going on that I'm getting pulled thousands of directions and I'm at that point in time I was going to call the offense for a little bit and the me and him sit down talking there's things I'm getting pulled away and I come back and I'm sitting there and talking to Caleb and I'm like ah we need to do this he already did it oh we need to do this he already did it like he he works so hard he does such a good job, and I can't thank him and Panon enough for everything they've done for our program. Now, biggest challenge for me when you got two young coaches that are as good as both of them are is I've got to do everything in my power to keep them um, because sustaining coaching staff is a big way in continuity about how you go about winning. So I've got to do everything in my power not to lose either one of them, even though one of them is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And you're not a fan of that, he's, are you? He's sitting right here next to me. Um, the, uh, speaking of the Chiefs, shout out to the Chiefs. They came and uh, checked out BJ today. That was cool. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? yeah. Another team off the list. I mean, it, it, what is that about? It's around 20 team, 25? Uh, I, well, we had the – you're counting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got almost all of them. I mean, we had the Chiefs today. Um, we've got the Chargers, um, the Titans, my team, um, and – I think the Miami Dolphins and the Broncos coming soon. Uh, we're getting close to to having almost every single team. I mean, we're mid-20s, I think, right now, and he deserves it. Kids worked his rear end off, and Coach Ladd's done a phenomenal job with him, and he's another guy that has – I can't thank enough for everything he's done for our football program thus far as well. And uh, do you say that the way you played in college um, – I know you were center, correct? Mm-hmm. Would you say the way, though, that you dominated on the offensive line pretty similar to the way B.J. played? <laughs> um, I was a different type player than B.J. Um, I'm not six foot seven. Uh, <laughs> I was a very mean, physical human being because um, I think that's the way we were taught then. Things are just a bit different. Um, you still got to play physical in the trenches, but you, like I said, you throw the ball so much more now, it's a little bit different from that standpoint. Um, but, I mean – he he! That kid deserves everything he's getting right now because not only is he a great football player, I can't say enough about his character. I, I, every scout that walks in the door, I think they look at me like I'm crazy because I, I literally say, hey, look, his parents are phenomenal. He is smart. He works hard. He doesn't miss things. He's not late. He's a great leader. He's a good teammate. I his weakness is he hasn't played O-line for more than four and a half years, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I, I feel bad because I feel like I'm, I, I want to try to find something to tell them that they don't think I'm crazy. But, I mean, he's he's a special human being. And he, he deserves all the stuff he's getting right now. Hopefully he finishes the season strong and stays healthy. And we get a chance to go watch him play in an all-star game after the fall, after we have a great fi uh, finish to our season. I know for football fans who watch and maybe we're at the Rock this past weekend for homecoming, at least for me, when I'm watching the game, really honestly, when I'm calling the game, a big inflection point uh, for the way that I think a play is going to develop, at least for me, is um, 
looking at what the tackles do on each play because I've noticed, and, and this is going to sound pretty basic maybe to somebody like yourself, but okay, what are what's their first move going to be? Okay, mm -hmm. are they stepping back? Okay, probably a passing play. Are they are they pushing forward? Maybe a running play. And I find myself just watching that young man ninety uh, well, percent of the time. Yes, you can't miss him. He is a very big human being. Um, people don't realize what six six looks like until they're standing directly in front of it. And the crazy thing is, uh, we're so I, I'm so used to seeing BJ now. Me and him are so close. We talk all the time about stuff. And on football or whatever it is about life, and he uh, then all of a sudden the scout walks in and the coach he really is big. I'm like, yeah, he's mm -hmm. pretty big, but you're around him all the time. Like I, I'm sure for them, like I'm coaching in the NFL and everybody's oh my gosh. that big. Like, the, yeah, they're they're that fast, they're that big, they're that. So I mean, I'm sure when you come to a small school like us. Uh, and, and I'm sure they've been to plenty of places, no different than we are when we go to see high school players. And you're told that a kid is this big, and then all of a sudden you walk in the door. I'm sure there's plenty of kids that have been listed as 6'6". You walk in and they're 6'3", which is still tall, but it's not the same thing you're, you thought. And they walk in the door here, and they're like, oh, he is 6'6". Six, six. He's a large human. He's a good kid. He has no character flaws. Yes, he's still raw when it comes to NFL terms. But I think the best football for that young man is in front of him. Would you say that for his strength, he's a better pass or run blocker? Um, probably at his age, I'd probably say pass blocker because he's still learning some some small ins and outs of the run game. Uh, one cool thing about BJ is most people, they get moved from a skill position to a line position that is more physically dominated from that standpoint. They struggle on the physicality side of things. And usually you can see why a big kid would move to tackle and be really good at pass pro. Uh, BJ's good in the run game as well. I mean, there was one play on Saturday that uh, their backside three technique was hanging. We're running inside zone away from him, and he takes three technique, and he throws him into opposite a gap that was hanging on to Mario as he climbs vertical to a safety. Uh, I mean, talking to their Ashton's head coach, the coach, he's a good football player. Their O-line coach who coached at Miami of Ohio or Akron's like, coach, he's, he's good. Mm -hmm. Like – don't get me wrong, there's plenty of things BJ's got to get better on. Um, and that's the cool thing about BJ is he's working on to get those things fixed. But he, there's you can't coach 6'6", 320 pounds that can bend and move like him. You can't. Like, you look at the NFL, the, you, those guys, they don't exist very often. And, I mean, one of the reasons why he has such an opportunity to, to, to be where he's at right now when it comes to getting – possibly drafted or being an unrestricted free agent is he's 6'6", 320. He's a great person. He has no character flaws, and he is that athletic. So hats off to him for being being the type of human being and player that he is right now. Absolutely hats off to him. I know you talk about the coaching staff. You brought up Ashland's coaching staff, and it was crazy just getting ready for the game. Their head coach had – I mean, he's coached for six <laughs> decades, and he coached uh, at FBS before for a decade before he went to Ashland. Their offensive coordinator, um, you talk, just talked about Miami of Ohio for nearly a decade. I mean, they have multiple guys on their staff. I calculated it, just the head coach and the coordinators, over a century of coaching experience. They've, they've yeah. forgot more football than we all know. <laughs> like, I'm 38. I, I mean this when I say this. Uh, I'm 38. Um, I graduated college in 2000, and my last football season was 2005. So 2006 is when I started coaching when I graduated. 
So I've been coaching football, whether high school or college, for let's think this is my 17th football season, uh, my 13th in college. That for them is they're young guys. I'm the old man. <laughs> like, I mean, Bogey's 28 years old uh, and, and has been a couple places, GA, this, that, and the other. Pannon's 20, 29. Tim's, I think, just turned 31. Shout out to Coach Ladd, our O-line coach. But, I mean, you could probably add up our entire coaching staff when it comes to college football experience, and I don't think we could get close to their head coach and their coordinators. So, for us, again, to go out there and not just compete and, and, and play with the number 12 ranked team in the country, but calls, calls them some issues and calls them to, to really dial things in and, and work hard is a testament to our players and our coaching staff on how hard they're working right now. Did you get to speak with Coach Owens before or after the game? Yeah, I talked to him before. Uh, we talked for a while. Um, Ashland is a is a great school f- for me when I think about things to pattern what we want to become as a football program because they are a private school and they're a private school that has been a very good football school. So for us, it, it's with the numbers and when you talk about things, the very similar things that they deal with. So he has been a, a really good person to sit down and talk to uh, when it comes to some of the things that he's dealt with um, while he's been at Ashland. And, and I think he, he, they've done a phenomenal job there. I mean, they're ninth in the country right now. Uh, so, I mean, anytime you play a top 10 team in the country and, and, and have an opportunity to force them to play tick for tack and play hard for four quarters is always nice. It is, Coach. I know as you talk about us getting ready for Great Lakes Valley Conference play coming up here on Saturday. It's going to be a night game over at Rolla, so n- nice little trip for the team. No no overnight involved there with the mm-hmm. night game? Yeah, I mean, we play at 7 o'clock. Um, I'm big on a routine for our guys. The more I can keep them in their own bed, doing their own things that they're used to doing consistently, the more I like it. Um, so we'll leave um, around lunchtime. Um, drive the three hours, get down there around 4 o'clock, uh, and we'll still have three hours to get ready for the game. Uh, I think that allows us as, as players and as staff to to focus, not, not lose our edge, and, and be ready to go. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's hard as a coach is when you go night before to a place um, that has a night game, Okay, so you go the night before, you spend the night, you wake up the next morning. What do you do until seven o'clock? Oh man! <laughs> so, I mean, and we'll, we'll run into that when we go to when we go to Indianapolis this year. I think we play them at six Eastern time. So, we have to figure out what to do with that. We always have you had to figure something out from that standpoint. But I think keeping the kids locked in and focused and tuned in to to what's going on without them losing their focus is always interesting. It is. It is a good thing, and I know. Um, you mentioned your staff throughout this podcast and Coach Bocard, um I was looking at his bio, played four years at Central Methodist, and you talk about um, how good of a person he is. He was uh, on the All-State Good Works team. He was a finalist for that, Coach. I mean, He didn't tell me that. Yeah. You I look- were on the All-State Good Works team? Yeah, he was a finalist for it. I mean, he's just a good – you talk about how he's a good person on and off the field all the time. Well, that's pretty you cool. You find out something new about people every day. Yeah, I mean, this is a – I like how we talk about what he's done in life because he – Coach, he was at Missouri State. He's been at Ohio State. was at SBU. I mean, he's been I, all over the place. I, I can tell you this right now, and I've said it already today, but I'm <laughs> going to say it again. 
um, those two coaches, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep Bogey and, and Pannon as long as humanly possible. However, I'm telling you right now, for anybody that doesn't know the name of Caleb Bogart and Michael Pannon, they better, they better remember that name because these two are really good football coaches. They're really good human beings. They're good for our kids. Um, they care about them. They want to win. They push them. They hold them accountable. And I'm telling you, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep them here as long as I can because they make my life a lot easier in the last couple of years. But uh, they are two names, I'm telling you right now, as a, as a younger head coach, that uh, they are great football coaches. And anyone on their, in, in their right mind that, that would have an opportunity to have them on their staff deserves them. And I will fight them at midfield <laughs> for either one of those guys and, and Coach Ladd and Coach Rims and Coach Wilson and numerous other guys. So I'm very lucky right now to have a good staff of guys that, that truly care about the young men on our football program and they're, they're holding them accountable and coaching them very well. Caleb Borghardt, second-year offensive coordinator, a lot of high praise. I hope he goes back and listens to this one because he's definitely been getting a lot of shout-outs. But he deserves second-year offensive coordinator and a lot of the school records that were shattered by him last year. Hey, he broke year. on mine, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> what a jerk. Got to well, take care of the head coach. Exactly. But he <laughs> did a lot of school record for points and all of that. So that was fantastic. And, of course, Hawks right now, again, sitting at 2-2, two and two, going into conference play, uh, coming up on – Saturday, Coach. I've enjoyed our time together here on the program, and uh, of course, I'm, I'm looking forward to to kick off Saturday, 7 p.m. A chance to do something uh, that hasn't been done in a in a long time, 24 years. So it should be fun. A couple decades. Anytime you get an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done in this century, is pretty special. And I, I think our kids' uh, mindsets in a good place. Our coaches are in a good place, and. I'm really, really excited to see where the next seven weeks takes us. But first and foremost, we got to go down to Raleigh, Missouri, and break a streak that hasn't been done for a couple of decades. On to S and T. That's that's what we have here. So, Coach, appreciate your time. Everybody listening, thank you so much. That was QU Football Weekly Extra, the podcast edition, presented to you by the Abbey.